Okay, here we go. Welcome to the 1000 Hours Outside podcast. My name is Ginny Yurich. I am the founder of 1000 Hours Outside, and I have just been made aware of this really cool opportunity that Jen Wilmoth is heading up, and she's been doing it for a little while. Welcome to the podcast, Jen. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, thrilled to have you. Now, you have a big family. You are a mom and a grandma, so tell us about that. So my husband and I, Tim, we have eight children ranging from 28 years down to six years. And we also have six grandchildren, six young grandchildren. So yes, I've been knee deep in motherhood for quite a while. Yeah, I see on your Instagram, I was looking and it's just birthday after birthday right? with that many kids. It was really sweet to see. And I love that. Well, tell us a little bit about having a large family. Well, um, it's fun. It's, there's never a dull moment, of course. So yeah, we have four, four of our children are adult children now. Two mm-hmm. of them are married. Uh, so we have four left at home that we're raising. We have six boys and two girls. It's fun. I'm, I always wanted a large family and I definitely got what I wanted. <laughs> yeah, you sure did. And six young grandkids. That's really special. Do people live kind of relatively close or are they spread out? Most of them live close by. We have one of our sons who's in the military. He's in the Air Force. So they live in Spokane, Washington. So we don't get mm-hmm. to see them that often. But but yes, they get to come visit. And so we do get to see them sometimes. Wow. And you're also a homeschooling family. You call it whole schooling. And you have a homestead and you have a wellness business. So you're doing a lot. Yes, yes. <laughs> the thing that I want to pop off the top with, though, because there's a little bit of a time aspect to it is that you run a Nature Pen Pal Exchange. A Nature Pen Pal Exchange is such a cool idea, and we're gonna do it this spring with our nature group. So can you tell us about what that is and how you got started with it? So Nature Pen Pal Exchange, it's a program in which families or nature groups can get paired up with another family or nature group, your assigned pen pals, from somewhere across the country. So right now we're just keeping it in the USA. And then you exchange nature treasures that are found on your outings, whether, you know, in your backyard, on nature walks, hikes, camping trips, um, even vacations, just um, exchanging those nature treasures that you find. And um, everyone receives a new pen pal each season that you participate. Wow. So the spring season is kicking off here soon. And the deadline I saw for the spring season to join in is March 10th. So people have a couple days if they want to join in for the spring. But if they miss the spring and they listen to this later on, you do this every single season. Correct. So they could join in for summer. So tell us how you got started doing this. Well, actually, um, in 2016, we actually participated in what was called a Nature Pal Exchange. And we found it on Instagram. And it was the coolest thing. Our family got to participate in it for that. They only ran it for about a year, year and a half, I think. It was very short. But the time that we did get to participate in it, it was so much fun. Um, we really enjoyed it. It was so cool to be able to exchange nature treasures with other people across the country and learn about not just nature in our area, but nature in their area as well. And so when it ended, it was kind of sad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had already been running a nature group, nature club here in our area. And I thought about doing the same thing with our nature group locally. But then I thought, you know, we'd like to do this again, like with people across the country. So. I felt inspired last year to start what was called a nature pen pal exchange. So we started last summer doing that. Wow. It's fun, even if it's family to family or group to group. I mean, that's really neat too, because then 
you probably can collect your things as a group and then get together as a group when your box comes in. So how do the logistics work? Shipping and how does it work with how much stuff you're supposed to send? Okay, so everybody has approximately eight weeks to collect their nature treasures. And then at the deadline, everyone mails it in. And how everyone's responsible for their own shipping, of course. And how we typically mail our nature treasures in is we use like egg cartons. So you can put like 12 nature treasures in your egg cartons. And then you would make like a little key that would go inside the egg carton to, to label each one, to let your pen pals know what each item is and maybe some information about each item. And then things that don't fit inside you know, the little compartments of the egg carton, you can lay on top of the napkins that are layered inside of it or in a different container, things such as feathers, you know, or things that are bigger that wouldn't fit inside of the carton. Wow. And you have all the instructions on your website. So what are some examples? What are some things that people send? I mean, obviously, it's something that is delightful because you're continuing to do it and continuing to pair up people. So what are some of the things that either you've sent or you've gotten that have been really special? We've gotten so many cool things throughout the years. We got some cool rocks, shells, exoskeletons, <laughs> so many different cool things. Yeah. So, and it really probably changes the context of going outside, right? It really puts you on the hunt for something that's really special and really unique. We just started paying attention to mushrooms in the last year. We did a mushroom nature unit and that really has changed our hiking. I didn't really notice them before, but now, especially our younger kids, they're really noticing and pointing them out and there's so much variety. They're all different. So I would imagine that this would do the same thing when you're out with your family or out with your nature group. You're really trying to look and to see, is there something really cool that I can find? For sure. Before we even did Nature Pen Pal Exchange, I mean, our, we go on nature walks all the time and our kids are always collecting things that they find on the nature um, walks and we put them on our nature nook. And sometimes, you know, it's it's more than can fit on the nature nook. So it's really cool share these treasures with others. But yes, even now when we go on nature walks, the kids are really intentional about trying to find something really cool. And like, oh, this would be so cool for nature pen pallet change. Aww. Oh, I love that. Yeah, that's great. That would totally change your whole outdoor experience. I think even for kids that were more reluctant to go outside to know that this is coming. And it's neat because if you run it every season, you really have to be creative depending on where you live. So we're in Michigan, we're buried in snow usually in the winter. So you'd have to be really creative about what you find and each season is different. So I love that you run it year round. Yes, yes. Yeah, that's very cool. So you talk about some guidelines, which I think is great. People can read those. And even dealing with certain ecology, like you talk about not planting seeds if you get some seeds, how to right. sterilize seeds. Can you tell us a little bit about that? So, um, yes, we always try to file, follow the safety of the local ecology. So we recommend, you know, always contact your local DNR or USDA before shipping items because some items could be considered invasive species and we don't want to do that. Um, right. If you receive seeds, uh, we recommend don't plant them. And if you do plan to ship seeds, you can sterilize them by putting them like in a paper bag, baking them on a cookie sheet um, at 300 degrees um, for about 30 minutes. And then after you've enjoyed your, your treasures from your pen pals, you can burn them. If you're like us, we keep them for years in our nature. <laughs> continue to enjoy them. But if you do decide to, you're done with them, you can, uh, we recommend burning them. Mm -hmm. Yes, as the best way for disposal. 
So yeah, great tips there and safety tips for the ecology. And then you have other tips. And I think this is really fun. You have all of these ideas to make it even extra special. Obviously just the egg carton filled with nature treasures is special in and of itself. But what are some of the other ideas that you talk about that could add to the experience? So we, when we exchanged um, with other families in the past and last year, decorating your egg cartons are so fun. So painting your egg cartons or coloring or drawing on the egg cartons, um, maybe adding a postcard in from your state. Oh, that's a cool idea because there's postcards everywhere. You can get postcards at, no matter where you're at. That, I love that idea, Jen. Adding a postcard, maybe a picture of your family, um, a little bit of information about your area. Making a watercolor painting or drawing um, is fun too. Yeah, just sending a nature book is an awesome thing. I've seen that um, between families, like yeah. sending a favorite nature book. Uh, sending other nature printouts that maybe your family loves um, or that your family created. And uh, adding in a nature poem that your family loves. So really, it's the possibilities are endless. You're just getting creative. I love these ideas. It's like Christmas when you get your nature treasures in, you know, from your pen pals. Yeah, I bet. It's so exciting. And yeah, to add in all those things, add in a photo of your nature group if you're doing it as a group. And who knows, it's maybe one of the days you, you end up actually meeting in person, depending on proximity. And the fact that you're interacting, if you do it for the entire year with four different either families or nature groups within a year, that's a lot of people to rub shoulders with. And Really exciting. I love that. So have you noticed any relationships that have struck up that have lasted more yeah. than just the pen pale time? Yes, we actually have a couple families that we have kept in touch with since 2016 when we were wow. pen pale. And so yes, lasting friendships can happen from this. It's really, really cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, so if people are interested in joining in for this spring, they can join in this spring to the Nature Pen Pal Exchange, where do they go? How do they do it? Uh, they go to our website, naturepenpalexchange.com, and there's a link on there to register for the spring. And we're doing it. We're doing it with our nature group. So I'm so excited about that. Everyone is thrilled, and we're going to go out together to find our nature treasures. So we're excited to join in, Jen. It'll be our first time. So you also have information about starting a nature group. And I know yours revolves around homeschooling because you're a homeschool family, but I think the principles of starting a nature club work for no matter what situation you're in. And that connection really is deep. Our best friendships have been forged through these simple outdoor experiences that we have on a somewhat regular basis. And in fact, we have friends that we first started adventuring with. It's been over a decade and they live across the country. And so we'll be stopping in to see them when we're out at conferences this year. Those friendships really last. So can you tell us about the nature club that you started and how you started it? Sure. So when we started homeschooling or what I call homeschooling, nature study was a big part of our learning. I've been passionate about nature since I was a child. And so just that was just natural to incorporate into our homeschooling experience. And our kids, we always provided opportunities for them to be able to get outside, get out in nature, whether through camping trips, through family nature walks, through nature study, um, playing freely outdoors. And then when, as the children got older and wanted to be able to be with their friends more, we decided, you know what, let's start a nature club or nature schools, what we called it. And so we did. We just started posting. I created a group on Facebook and invited our friends that were local that I knew might possibly be interested that uh, um, other homeschooling families 
And it has grown so much since then. Just word got around and now we have like over 300 and something people in our group. What? Wow. Everybody comes to every single outing, of course, but it's huge. And we have families from several surrounding counties now that participate because we do go to different areas in the different surrounding counties. But yeah, it's been such a great experience for our family. We get together with other families and we just go hike and explore. And Mm -hmm. uh, that's what we mainly do for most of the year. But then in the spring, we also change it up a bit where we go hike and explore. But then a parent will take and lead one week and choose the outing. But then they'll also lead like on a topic. So maybe one parent might choose rocks one one week and then another parent might choose reptiles one week. And they'll do like a little lesson or presentation on that, very short and brief, and then an activity, and then we'll go hiking afterwards. I have been looking for simple ways to form healthy habits and get the nutrients my body needs when my immune system feels unsupported. And that's why I decided to give AG1 a try. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics and more, but it's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day, and it makes me feel nourished and ready to face the day. As a parent, longevity is on my mind more than ever before. I want to make sure I'm taking really good care of myself so I can continue to show up for the moments that matter with my kids. Every day, AG1 helps me build long-term health with daily nutrients that support brain, gut, and immune health. All it takes is one scoop a day, and I'm setting myself up for the long run. AG1 is a supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash 1000. That's drinkag1.com slash 1000. Check it out. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Question, what's the first thing you do if you had an extra hour in your day? Read a few chapters of that book, start painting that guest bedroom, tackle that pile of laundry, play a card game with your kids. A lot of us spending our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. If you're feeling stuck, therapy is something that can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Therapy is a wonderful thing. It can help you learn positive coping skills or show you how to navigate properly setting boundaries. With BetterHelp, it's easy to get started. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try and visit BetterHelp.com 1000 hours to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com 1000 hours. Did you ever imagine that it could be over 300 people? Yeah. <laughs> no, did not. But it just goes to show that people are looking for it. They're looking for that community. They're looking for that opportunity to connect. And so if you start something, it really benefits a lot of people. And you write that it benefits the adults as well. So can you talk about that? I mean, for me personally, I mean, nature is, for me, it's been healing throughout the years. Mm. So um, it's healing. It's just, it's a chance for me to get out and really just be in the present 
Right. With a large family, I would imagine it's hard to find those types of moments. So yes, when we go on our nature outings, not only do the kids have fun and play together and explore together, the parents are enjoying time together too as well. Yeah, a lot of benefits. I love that you wrote, you said, I have to say that it was one of the best decisions I have ever made for my family is starting a nature club. And with 300 people, like you said, not everybody shows up to everything. And so you have a different mix of people every time. And Dr. Peter Gray, I just was talking with him recently, and he wrote the book Free to Learn, and he has some other books as well. But one of the biggest things he talked about is age mixing of kids, that this is one of the biggest things that we are missing now as a society. And actually, it really matters. And that kids need to have experiences with older kids and with younger kids for their development. And so when you have a nature group, and you invite families, whether that's during the day, if you're a homeschool family, or if it's after school, if it's on the weekend, it provides kids with an opportunity that they don't maybe might not get in other situations. You have kids of all ages that come. Absolutely. Yes. And that's one thing we love about the Nature Club is families of all different ages. Right. So you have some different ideas here on how to figure it out. And so people can find that on your website, which is the wilmothhomestead.com. But you have a bunch of tips here about deciding how you'd want it to flow. What would, what should it be like? So how does yours work? Yes, figuring out your schedule, how you want to, you know, you might only want to get together with other families once a month or maybe Mm -hmm. once a week. Just figuring out what your goal is and what your family can achieve at that time. And so we, we kind of change it up every season. Most seasons we do every other Friday. Um, we have in the past done every Friday, just depends, but most seasons we do every other Friday. Mm-hmm. So twice, twice a month, it's not, you know, too much um, to ask people to come out and join us, but then people get to pick and choose what weeks they want to attend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I like that every other Friday, like you said, it gives you something to look forward to, but it's not too much. And I think having a schedule really does help because then people can plan for it and you know that it's coming and it make, you make sure it happens. Otherwise, it's easy sometimes for things not to happen. If you don't have it on your schedule, tell us some of the places that you've gone with your nature group. Oh, goodness. <laughs> Lots of places. Let's see. Um, in our area, we've been to Sproul Bluff. We've been to Line Creek Nature Trail, Arabian Mountain, Panola State Park, many places. Lots of state parks and national parks, but just local parks around as well. Mm-hmm. So you're in Georgia. And you just go a bunch of different places. And I liked the idea that you had. We had a college student on from Grand Canyon University not that long ago. And they have a college age student run outdoor recreation group. And the students plan the different excursions. And so then they're finding new places to go. I thought it was really neat. And that was one of the ideas that you had too, was different parents can step in and, and figure out where are we going to go? We're going to try a new place. Because you do have to do a little digging around. Does it have a bathroom? Is it okay for strollers? You kind of have to know. And so that's a neat idea too, is to sort of divvy that up and people can find different places to go. And that adds some variety to your life. And you use Facebook, you said, to keep in touch with your group, but you had all sorts of other ideas. Could be through email or a different online platform. So the best decision, one of the best decisions. So you've got great information on your website on um, how to start a nature club. And, And some people do limit their families. Yes, yes. And you can do that. Whatever works best for you. I never imagined ours would be as big as it is today. We started off with just a few families. 
But it's huge now. And people are constantly joining because like you said, people are looking for that. They're right. looking out and spend more time in nature with their families. Yeah. And thankfully, we don't have 300 some people show up to all of our outings. Right. Yeah, but people are sick. They're at the orthodontist. So you have a, a larger number than you know, at least a couple families will be there and you'll have kids for your kids to play with and adults for you to talk to. But you even said, even if it's just one other family, and I agree with that, even if you just have one other family to adventure with, it really changes the dynamic and changes the experience. And then this goes along with the Nature Pen Pal Exchange. If you have a nature group, then you can join in on the Nature Pen Pal Exchange and include that in your different outings. So if people are interested in more information on how to start a nature club, they can go to your website. You've got a lot of stuff there. And that you do a lot, Jen. With eight oh. kids and six grandkids, you do a whole lot. You also are a homesteader. Uh, is it on 100 acres? Did I read that somewhere? We're on 100 acres, and yes. <laughs> in Georgia, 100 acres in Georgia. How, well, tell us about that. With You have all sorts of things. Livestock, guardians, honeybees, chickens, pigs, sheep, goat. I mean, wow. How did you end up becoming a homesteader? Have you always been? No, actually, I have not. Now, growing up, my parents always had animals off and on. Yes, it was 2015 during my health journey that I, you know, and as we were getting more involved in nature, we really wanted to have our own little homestead. And it was, ugh, I was so passionate about it. And we made it happen, even though we were living in the city at that time. Wow. <laughs> and, um, yeah, we started off with chickens and then we got goats. And so, yeah, now we have pigs and we have honeybees and livestock guardian dogs and farm cats. Yes. <laughs> wow. Well, tell us how you started in the city. What were some of the things that you did when you were living in the city that were homestead things, but not on a farm? Um, well, before we even started homesteading, I was already on my journey for um, health and wellness. And so we started learning more about herbs and plants that were medicinal plants to help our health and wellness and got us to go out and actually look for these plants in the wild. That's where it really started, I think. And then from there, um, we wanted to start raising our own food. So we started with chickens and we had you know, literally backyard chickens and started having our own farm fresh eggs. And then we started getting goats and um, yeah, just went from there. Just one step to the next, but starting with the herbs, what was your wellness journey? You talked about having just some respiratory issues, things that you'd had since you were a child. So since a child, I had always suffered with respiratory issues. And then as a young adult, it just increased and got worse. And to the point where I was seeing like pulmonologists and seeing different specialists. And the only answers they had was, well, there's nothing wrong with you, except that you have some scarring in your lungs and that mm -hmm. um, I would have to be on a rest uh, inhaler for the rest of my life and rotate different antibiotics every few months. Mm. And I didn't know anything about natural health at that time, but I knew that just doesn't sound right to me. So that's where my journey began. That's where my journey began with, you know, health and wellness and really trying to be my own advocate and learn how the body works so that you can support it with the tools that it recognizes, such as herbs mm. and natural things, and so that it could heal itself. And so that's where my journey began. So I can imagine that you are not on an inhaler and antibiotics, you have found other things that have worked, starting, like you said, with the herbs and the foraging. What were some of the beginning things that you were looking for? Things like mullein and different medicinal herbs that help support the respiratory, yarrow and uh, mint. So you've learned enough to where now you are helping other people with your Wilmoth Wellness. Yes. 
Um, yeah. On my journey, I became a family herbalist and wow. um, there I just couldn't get enough. So I kept on learning more and learning all that I could. And last year I actually became certified as an integrative health practitioner and health coach. Wow. So I'm really super excited to be able to help people on a deeper level now. Wow, that's fantastic. So if people want to find information about that, that's at wilmothwellness.com. And I'll put the links in the show notes so that people can find it. But you're helping people with all sorts of things, skin issues, inflammation, fatigue, a lot of things that people are looking to fix long term. Those are some of the things that you're helping with, right? Yes. Yeah. So do you grow then a lot of your own herbs or do you source them from different places? Both. Um, we grow herbs, but we also purchase them as well. Yeah. So where are you at on your homestead journey? Have you? I always wonder with people who are homesteading, are you at a spot where you're satisfied? You know, or is there always more to homesteading? I guess is my question. Like, do you have things that you're wanting to expand or have you hit a spot where you're like, Man, this is really good. We've kind of included all the things that we want to include. You know, we're at a point now where we're really content where we're at. Um, for a while there, it's like I couldn't get enough. I wanted this animal and that animal and wanted it all. And mm -hmm. then I had to really sit back and think about what my goals were with homesteading. And of course, part of it is to provide food for our family, you know, through eggs. But now we're at the point where we have goals. We have other goals now for our, our homestead. We have things that we're going to be starting this spring and summer, such as farm camps and nature nights and um, farm clubs and things like that. So our vision has kind of changed with our homesteading. Well, tell us more about that. So that's about bringing people into your space during the yeah. day, during the night, helping people connect. It's like your nature club, but way more. Yes, yes. Having farm camps and having different things. Maybe one week might be on gardening. One week might be raising chickens, you know, farm animals, different themes like that. Um, survival skills and uh, mm -hmm. running camps for that, running farm camps. And then having nature night outs where parents can go on a date and we will provide activities for their children, you know, outdoors. And so, yeah, we have some really cool ideas this year. What are you going to call it? I'm not sure yet. The name of our farm is Meadowhaven Farms. Well, that's beautiful. We will see. So you're talking about starting that here very soon. Yes. So if people are close to you, if they're in Georgia and they're interested, where are they going to find information on that? Uh, probably on my Jennifer L. Wilmoth Instagram. Okay. Well, that's very exciting. That's great for the parents and for the kids. And so tell us how you integrate homeschooling. I know you call it whole schooling. Tell us, let's start there. Why do you call it whole schooling? I call it whole schooling because I don't know, there's, there's something about the term homeschooling that I'm like, eh, it's so much more than homeschooling because yeah. I mean, our world is our, everything in life is schooling. And so um, we don't stick to just one particular style. We are very, very eclectic very much advocates for freedom and learning. And so really focusing on the whole child. So yeah, we like to call it homeschooling. Have you always homeschooled? Have you always whole schooled? <laughs> we have been doing it for, let's see, 21 years. I think this year would be 21 wow, years. My first child was in third grade and my second child was in first grade. And then all of our other children after that from the very beginning. Okay. What was your path there? I think people are always interested, especially it's interesting. This is going to go up now in March and a lot of people are thinking about their schooling in the spring. I'm not quite sure why that is, but I speak at homeschool conferences around the country and they're in the spring and a lot of people 
are making their decisions and sometimes they're pulling their kids out of school in the spring. And I don't know why. I don't know if it's like they see that it's really nice out and maybe there's been issues that have been going on all year that just haven't been able to get resolved. And they just make that decision before the end of the school year. It's always been intriguing to me. So since this is going out around that time, I think people would be interested to know, to know your story. You didn't start off this way, but you made a change and then you stuck with it. I mean, I really felt the call strongly to homeschool our children. I didn't think about that when, um, before we had children or even when our children first started school. Um, I didn't think about that at all. Although when I was growing up, my best friend was homeschooled and I wanted to be homeschooled so bad. Um, not at all until, um, yeah, it was when my son was in second grade. I just felt really strongly the call to homeschool them starting the next school year. And I did. I went, I listened to that call and we've been doing it ever since then. And I don't regret it. It's been the best. Mm. Um, I really feel strongly about that for our family. Yeah, you do just get so much time together and all these experiences, like you said, whole schooling, not much of it really happens in the home. Most, a lot of, I think it's different for every family. You know, for some families, a lot of it does happen in the home. And then for other families, a lot of it just happens out in the community and through daily living, through running a homestead, all of these different types of things that kids are learning and they're growing. And now you have a couple of kids that are grown and they're fine. Yeah. They're awesome, actually. <laughs> yeah, that's always the thing I think some people are nervous about. So it's great to hear of families to see, oh, yeah, that actually worked. And the research is really clear that homeschool students go on to thrive and they are found in every facet of life from homemaking to lawyers, whatever, you know, to trades, all of the different things that you can find homeschoolers in those different fields. When the skies open up while others seek shelter, I embrace the rain. Heading to my favorite hike, the raindrops are like a soothing melody, and my Vessies ensure each step is dry and comfortable, turning a simple outing into a rather delightful experience. Whenever my kids and I are stepping into a great outdoors adventure, I love wearing Vessies Stormburst boots to capture the beauty of springtime landscapes. Their robust style is perfect for our nature excursions, adding a little dash of elegance to our outdoor explorations. This spring, Transform how you view wet weather with Vessi. Their Dymatex technology makes their shoes not just waterproof, but a stylish barrier against rain and puddles. Whether it's a sudden downpour or a planned seaside walk, Vessi shoes ensure your feet stay dry and comfortable. Embrace the essence of spring with Vessi. From chic city walks to adventurous treks, find the perfect pair for your lifestyle at Vessi.com outside and enjoy an automatic 15% off your first order upon checkout. That's V-E-S-S-I dot com slash outside for 15% off your first order. Everyone wants to start their year off on the right foot. And for me, that means making sure I'm eating well and have enough energy to do everything I want to do. But I'm not going to run to the butcher every day to get a fresh cut of quality meat. That's why Good Chop is such a lifesaver for our family. Good Chop offers fully customizable boxes of high-quality meat and seafood delivered to your door on your schedule. Their products are vacuum-sealed and frozen at peak freshness, so you can stock your freezer and cook when you want. We had a somewhat last-minute get-together recently, and it was so incredibly convenient to just head to the freezer and pull out a couple bags of Good Chop's hamburger patties to whip up some burgers quickly. They were so delicious. Besides being delicious, it's important to know it won't cost you a fortune either. Good Chop's 
Price per meal starts at just $3.74. Go to goodchop.com slash outside120 and use code outside120 to get $120 off across your first four boxes. That's code outside120 at goodchop.com slash outside120 for $120 off. Goodchap.com slash outside120 code outside120. So how are you integrating then your kids? How does this work with your farm, with your homestead, with the farm camps, with your kids, with your grandkids? Tell us what a typical day, a typical week looks like for your family. So as far as the homesteading, that's all just part of our whole schooling. I mean, everything that we do on the farm and in our home, it's all part of our whole schooling, Um, our nature clubs. um, Yeah, all of that. As far as our grandchildren go, um, we get to see them, thankfully, pretty often, the ones that live close by. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. It's just busy. You're just doing, going from thing to thing. You got your nature club. But then also homesteading, I'm sure, gives some sort of a rhythm, too. So you've got a rhythm yeah. through your homesteading, through your nature club, and then all this other stuff. I mean, this is how we fit. We just sort of fit in, in the nooks and crannies. You do it whenever you got a little space. You do this, you do that. But this thought that you have your wellness program that you are, you've become a family herbalist with the integrative health, you have eight kids, you have a homestead, you're going to be running farm camps. I mean, the question that people ask is, well, how are you doing all that? So we definitely have to have a rhythm and a flow, like you said. Um, as far as the homesteading goes, that's, that's the whole family is involved. Mm-hmm. They all know what they have to do. They have to, you know, they have their animals they feed and they care for and so forth. We spend about the first half of the day focusing on our learning. So our foundational learning together as a family and individuals. So we spend about the first half of the day whole schooling. And then the second half of the day is our time to do what we want to do. For me, it's my work and helping others with wellness. And then the children, they're following their own pursuits and their interests and working on projects and, and so forth. Yeah. So they have that time and that space to pursue what they're interested in. And so do you, which is a neat thing. I think we're sort of in that spot too. We weren't for a long time because we had little ones, but now that our youngest is six, there's a shift there that time does open up a little bit also for the parent. And so it's really cool. Actually, that's very inspiring, Jen, that you're using your time to pursue the things that make you thrive. And yeah, that's really inspiring because it's really easy for that time to slip away. I think that's the key. That's the key. People ask me all the time, oh, well, I could never homeschool. Or how do you do it? I would go crazy, you know, being with their kids all day long. I think that's the key that I have discovered throughout the years is you have to make time for yourself. You have to be intentional to allow your children to have, you know, follow their own pursuits and their own interests. And you also, you have to set that example for your children. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's so important so that our children can see that when you become adults, it's not, you know, it's not, you don't just stop doing things that you enjoy doing or that you're passionate about. You continue to do those things. And that's been really important for me. So that is why we're intentional about making sure that, you know, everyone, including mom and dad are able to follow their own pursuits and interests. Wow. Yeah, that's a great thing to think about. And a lot of people are talking about that, that it helps you to not be lost when your kids graduate and they go on to live their own lives. That's one part of it. But then the other part, like you said, is this modeling that adult life isn't lame, I guess, right? That you can still learn and there's still really cool things to do and people to connect with and ways that we can impact the world. And then in doing that, 
you allow your kids to have time too. And this is when I talked about Dr. Peter Gray earlier, and he's talking about the multi-age experiences that the majority of children are missing out on these days. But he's also talking about how the rise in the mental health decline which has been deemed an emergency, a mental health emergency amongst children, a crisis, that it doesn't so much go back to the screens as much as it goes back to a lack of time, a lack of time and space. And I think, you know, he was talking about, and a lot of people talk about, we just, we're controlling too much. We're directing too much. We're making it too much about the adults and less about the kids. And so to open up that afternoon and to say, what do you want to do? What do you want to pursue? That's really a gift. And I think helping to ensure that our kids are, well, they're whole. This is the whole schooling. It's helping with their mental health as well. What are some of the things that your kids like to do? Um, oh, our kids love the outdoors. So lots of things they love to do outdoors. Um, they're very passionate about archery. So getting outside and practicing archery every day, they're super passionate about um, science and doing science experiments, art. Um, coding, yeah, uh, all of that. They they just, and they have the time to pursue it. Yes, is because in the morning we work on the foundational learning, the things that I that I feel are important for them. You know, the reading and the writing and the math and learning together as a family, reading together as a family, and then uh, providing that opportunity for them to also have just as much time to be able to work on the things that they want to work on, they want to pursue and learn more about. Well, because we're all individuals. And I've read so many things about how we just take such a small slice of what the world has to offer. And this is the curriculum. It's like, well, why? Why not all of these other parts? And what if someone's interested in something else? John Taylor Gatto talks about how it only takes 50 contact hours. 50 is what he says at the right age and stage for kids to learn everything they need to learn. The Like basically the three R's, 50 contact hours to learn everything that they would need to know in order to learn anything they wanted to know, basically 50 hours. So, you know, I think it's okay for kids to have that empty space and we seem so scared of it. Like we have to control it, we have to fill it, we have to direct it. But actually I think it's a well-intentioned pursuit in the wrong direction. So it's great to hear how you structure your life and how you're able to fit in time for everyone to pursue the things that are interesting to them you know, it hasn't always been that way either. When I first started homeschooling, I didn't know what I was doing. Sure. And we were modeling the typical traditional school model and had a desk. And I wanted to make sure they, they were getting everything they needed to get, you know. And But wow, we have come a long ways from then. And what a huge difference I have seen throughout the years. And our children's just love for learning. They're real, truly love for learning and passion and um, their creativity mm-hmm. and being able, you know, to think for themselves and follow their own passions and pursuits. So yes, I'm very passionate about that. And so no matter what situation families are in, to have this goal of making sure that kids have time and space and that we have time and space to pursue the things that we really love to do is very important. And so that's a great example that you're setting. As we're heading into the spring here, um, people can join up for the Nature Pen Pal Exchange for the spring and gardening is on the horizon. And I'm not sure, depending on where you live, see, we're in the north. We're in zone 6B in Michigan. You're in Georgia. Ours starts and sort of kicks off in May. That's when the gardening kicks off. But you can start seeds, you know, six to eight weeks earlier than that May start. But in Georgia, I would imagine it's a little bit earlier. What herbs, do you have any ideas of what things people 
if you had to give a top three or a top five herbs that people should grow or anything else that people should have in their garden or things that are easy if you're just starting to get into it, what advice would you have for the gardeners here heading into the spring? So hmm, that's a tough one, but I, the top three herbs that come to mind that I think everyone should have, one is garlic. You know, it's a, it's a food, but it's an herb mm-hmm. and you can make oil for the ears with garlic which is, you know, so important for fluid in the ears or ear infections and so forth. So garlic to me is one of the most important things. Mullen. Mullen is another one because you can make mullen garlic ear oil. And mullen is great for respiratory. So it helps to, you know, break up congestion. And when you get a cold or pick up a virus, it's um, wonderful to be able to use mullen. And peppermint would be another one that I would highly recommend. Mm. It's great for digestive issues. Um, it's wonderful to di- for the digestive system. So, um, and it's great for energy as well. So, those would be the three off the top of my head that I would, I would say. Okay, for sure. And is garlic pretty easy? You take one of the cloves. Is that sort of what you do? Yeah, and you, yeah, and you plant it in the fall, actually. Okay, you plant that one in the fall, and it does it take? You plant it in the fall, and then when is it ready to harvest? Is it a long time? In the spring. And it's ready to go in the spring, so it grows all winter. Yes. That's so interesting. So garlic, mullein, and peppermint. And then do you grow a lot of your own vegetables or do you mostly focus on herbs? Vegetables, yes, for sure. Um, Just the things that we eat, you know, all the different leafy greens and carrots and tomatoes and peppers, that type of stuff, potatoes. Yeah. So is it kicking off soon in Georgia? Yes, actually it is. We need to actually get our seed starts going now. Yeah, you're a little bit ahead of where we're at. And we do the seed starts. And well, I've only done it a couple years. And last year didn't go so well because we are traveling for these different conferences. So I'm trying to figure out how to make it work this year. But when we did our seed starts, and this is what I was talking to someone about recently, you have to do this thing called hardening off, at least in Michigan. Do you do that with yours where you you start your seeds, maybe start them indoors, and then you got to give them a little time to be exposed to the elements in small stages, or sometimes they kind of get too shocked and they don't survive. So we usually start ours off in our office. We have these grow lights in there on some shelving. We'll start them off there and then we'll bring them over to our mudroom area, which has a lot of um, light and window right there. Mm-hmm. And then we'll bring them outside and put them outside for about maybe a week, a few days before we actually transplant them. Yeah. So the hardening off is important because I had a friend who you put a lot of time and effort into those seedlings. And if yeah. they don't survive, then it feels like a big bummer. It's kind of like a big loss. So. Can you tell us one more time, Jen, if people are interested in finding you, you have three different websites and two Instagrams. Is that correct? I have, uh, yes. Well, three different Instagrams. Three. Okay. So tell us, tell us what they are. So on Instagram, it's Jennifer L. Wilmoth, W-I-L-M-O-T-H. Mm-hmm. And then we have Nature Pen Pal Exchange and Wilmoth Wellness. Okay. And if my websites, it's Instead of Jennifer L. Wilmoth, it's the wilmothhomestead.com and then naturepenpalexchange.com and wilmothwellness.com. Yeah, so they all kind of go together. It'll be easy for people to find. And really, that's incredible that you have all these different types of offerings. So if people go to your website, the Wilmoth Homestead, that's where you can find things about natural living. You have articles about your whole schooling, how you set that up. You have articles about homesteading and gardening and just your story there. So lots for people to learn, lots for people to look into. Jen, we always end our podcast the same way. We end with a favorite outdoor memory of yours from your childhood. My favorite outdoor memory for sure are family camping trips. 
of all the vacations that we ever have been on. We've traveled out west. I would say that is probably my most favorite memory is family camping trips. Um, we did that quite often mm. and we went to the same place in Ocala. I'm from Florida actually originally. So we came to Ocala, um, Salt Springs, and that is definitely my most favorite memory growing up. That is where I really had a chance to explore. I, mm-hmm. I was free to explore the woods around there and I would um, take my sister with me and make up cool stories about things that we found in the woods. And But mm-hmm. yeah, we went on, I went fishing with my dad on um, nature walks with my dad when we went camping. So yeah, that is definitely my favorite memory growing up is family camping trips. Wow. was well, awesome what you're doing, Jen. We're so excited about being part of the Nature Pen Pal Exchange this spring. And I'm sure that a lot of people will join in with what you're doing in all sorts of different realms because you have so much going on. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. Lynn, this time of year, parenting can be such a fluster clucks. You've come to the right place. I'm Lynn Lyons, and I've been treating anxious families for over 30 years. I'm Lynn's sister-in-law and co-host Robin Hudson. Join us for Fluster Clucks, a podcast for parents who worry. Wait, that's everybody. Yeah, these last few years have felt like one long anxiety attack for so many. Why do you think parents are always surprised that a podcast about anxiety relates to them, even if no one in their house has an anxiety disorder? Well, worry is human. Everyone does it. And anxiety shows up when we face uncertainty. All the parenting tips you've taught me have been essential. I love to break it down into skills we need to manage worry in our families. We've covered so many topics depression, burnout, meltdowns, perfectionism. Don't forget scary mothers-in-law. Right, but of course that's not my mother-in-law. Because that's my mother. And a listener. As a psychotherapist, I like to teach parents and kids how to respond to everyday moments in healthy ways. Managing anxiety really can be taught. It really can. And I'll even tell you what to say. We talk about serious stuff, but without being too serious. Anxiety wants everything serious. Anxiety doesn't stand a chance when we're laughing, even about the tough stuff.